Welcome back to South Flair Sunday. Sharina with you. And today I am joined by Dr. Alan Saperstein, an orthopedic surgeon at Baptist Health Orthopedic Care, just to talk about the best practices leading into a healthy, active lifestyle this year. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. No complaints here, at least so far. (laughs) How about yourself? I'm fine, thanks. That is amazing. I guess we'll just jump right into it. What is the importance of exercise and its effect on your body? So, well, exercise is so important to the body. I mean, it affects basically every system that we have. Obviously, first and foremost, the cardiovascular system. Having a heart that's healthy and able to pump blood to the rest of your body just improves how your whole body functions. It potentially prolongs life, prevents heart attack, it improves blood flow to the extremities, it prevents diabetes or helps reduce the likelihood of diabetes. It prevents fractures by by preloading the bones and making them stronger. Um, And last of all, it helps the mental uh, status of the person. It really improves cognition, it improves mood. Uh, we just feel better and we function better when we exercise. I definitely have to second that because I'm not someone who exercises normally, but I did start walking around my local park and I feel so much better about myself now. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, so let's say I'm a person who hasn't really been active or maybe someone who's kind of getting back into exercise. What advice would you have to like build an exercise routine that's like safe for that level of activity? So, so for people who have not been exercising in a, in a while, the most important thing is don't try to do it all at once, you know, little baby steps to get back into it. You know, if you want to get into running, if you've really been sedentary, maybe just start by speed walking a little bit. If you are someone who was a runner in the past and you want to get back into that, just short distances at first. Don't, and slow. Don't, no reason you got to, you don't have to win the race. You just have to finish the race. So right. just working your way up to your goal and not trying to accomplish too much too fast I think is really the best way to avoid injury and, and also the best way to, to stay with it, to feel motivated as you get little gains each week. You get more motivated to keep it up. So just really that, that incremental approach. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense, especially with the motivation part, because, you know, if you do something too difficult, then you're more likely to give up on it. What about those looking to expand their workouts or, you know, kind of get into something a bit different? Like, how can you tell when your body's ready for that next step? So um, if, if you're staying within the same activity, I think it becomes kind of obvious, you know, Again, going back to the example of running, you know, at first, just running a quarter mile can be a big challenge. But if you find that you increase that distance by, uh, you know, a quarter mile or a half mile each time you go out, uh, you start to notice, hey, I can run, you know, three times as long far as I did uh, two weeks ago with, with the same or even maybe less effort. So your body kind of tells you when you're ready to move on to the next step. You know, moving to a different sport is a little more difficult. So going from, say, you know, aerobic exercise to maybe weight training, your body's going to be a little surprised when it gets something that's different than what it's been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you got to, even if you're in shape for one activity, for one type of sport, and if you're moving to something different, you still got to go back to that algorithm of start slow and, and increase very, very gradually uh, because your body isn't used to that new activity, even though it might, you might be in shape, you're not really accustomed to the, the new activity and you really have to bring that along slowly. Right. Because you might be like using different muscles, right? Absolutely. Even if you're using the same muscles, if you use them in a different manner, if you use them at a different speed, your body notices the difference. You know, I, I run long distance 
and I'm used to that. I don't feel pain so much after long distance runs, but if I would go out and sprint one day, oh my God, this is mm. the same muscles, but the day after that sprint, my God, I'm going to really feel that dramatically. Okay. Okay. Um, so what are the best ways to kind of prepare for like an intense workout? Well, I mean, you really have to prepare your whole body up. First, you got to prepare mentally for it. Uh, <laughs> you get it, what you're getting into uh, again, physically, that incremental approach and building up to the the intense workup is is really very important. Nutritionally and and biochemically, you want to hydrate. You want to make sure you have appropriate nutrition. Uh, carbohydrate loading the night before an intense workup can can be uh, helpful. Um, and and just you know make sure you're ready for it before you go to that, that next step. And what about like warm downs or cool offs? Do you recommend those as well? Yeah, I mean it's it's much less important. Uh, really, it's uh, just it's the preparation before and af- afterwards. I mean, it is important to let your your muscles gradually calm down. You can stretch a little bit afterwards, but it's not super important. Um, you know, I would say the most important thing is don't just stop, you know, that hour. You, you run a big race, don't just stop and sit down. Um, <laughs> that's, you get, you know, don't, don't stop, sit down, and have a big meal. You know, walk after the race, take a warm shower, let the muscles just recover a little bit. Don't eat right away. Maybe, you know, half an hour, an hour later, you, you have your, your post-game meal. Just slow uh, a resolution of your athletic status. Okay, okay. So what do we recommend for like patients with like uh, musculoskeletal uh, disorders who want to remain active? You know, it depends on what the actual problem is. You know, certain sports aren't right for certain conditions. So um, an example, if you've got tendonitis in the knee, like patella tendonitis or quadriceps tendonitis, you want to avoid activities that are jumping uh, activities. Um, if you've got arthritis uh, in, a, in a lower extremity um, a joint, you want to avoid impact loading activities. So you want to avoid running. But there's always something similar that can substitute and that may not produce that same problem. So, again, say the common example is arthritic knee in a middle-aged person uh, who wants to start an aerobic program would love to ideally run. Well, maybe running's not the best thing for an arthritic knee, but using the elliptical machine can is very similar in many ways to running. A lot of the movements feel the same, uh, but it, it eliminates the impact that you get with running. So, you know, just picking the right sport for the right, you know, medical condition is how you have to approach that. In my practice, I see all sorts of orthopedic problems. And, you know, there are some people I'm saying, okay, you, you should stop running and start weightlifting. And some people I'm telling you, stop weightlifting and start running. It, it just really depends on what their, their underlying condition is. And of course, you're on staff at Baptist Health. What are the most common exercise-related injuries that you're seeing? Um, I see a real broad spectrum of injuries. Knee and shoulder is probably the joints that I treat the most frequently. In terms of athletic injuries around the knee, I see a lot of meniscus tears. That's a fairly common injury we see, not just in young athletes, but also in in middle-aged and older uh, athletes. Um, I see ligament tears in the knee fairly commonly, things like ACL tears that usually occur with sports with twisting and turning and jumping. In the shoulder, probably the most common thing I'll see is rotator cuff tears. Those occur usually in middle-aged and older athletes, frequently with upper extremity overuse, so tennis and throwing sports are common for rotator cuff injuries, but sometimes they just occur because they occur. 
uh, they're not always athletic injuries. Is there like a, a sport that is like the most injury prone? <laughs> most sports do run a risk for some degree of injury. Obviously, collision sports have mm-hmm. a higher have a higher risk ratio. So if you're talking tackle football, that is a very injury prone sports just because of the, the, the size of bodies that are colliding with each other at a rapid speed. But non-collision sports like soccer and basketball also run pretty significant risk for athletic injuries because people are moving at, at, at quick speed. They may not be colliding, but they're changing directions. Mm-hmm. Um, changes in directions when running are, uh, put, put a lot of stress on the knee and, and can result in ligament and, and cartilage injuries to the knee, injuries to the ankle occur commonly with changes in direction. So it's kind of hard to say that there's any one sport that is really the most dangerous of them, but um, they, all, they all run their risks. And then things you know that are really not at all uh, contact sports, like running we've been talking about, really run, run a high risk for, for overuse injuries, um, mm-hmm. shin splints and tendonitis, things like that. So, uh, you know, you you kind of pick your poison. I think when people are picking a sport, they pick, pick it more based on uh, what appeals to you, what you want to participate in, mm-hmm. um, and only in the situation where you have a pre-existing you know, athletic or musculoskeletal condition would you really have that effect which sport you're going to pick. Right, right. And then, you know, sometimes, too, like you can get injuries from like not using your muscles um, often and then trying to do something like I hear it all the time, like, oh, I threw on my back or my hip or this or that. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I see I treat a lot of athletes, recreational, collegiate, even professional athletes, but also treat a lot of non-athletes. And, and um, you know, they get into trouble as well. Non-athletic people have, have other issues. You know, often they may be more compromised from a health perspective. And uh, when they do get injuries, musculoskeletal injuries, they can be more difficult to manage because of those medical comorbidities. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, yeah, so it's definitely worthwhile, despite the 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 injury risk with sports, I think it's uh, far more worthwhile to participate in sports than to, than to not. And of course, like I mentioned before, you're at Baptist Health Orthopedic Care. Um, can you kind of describe what someone would anticipate when seeking treatment at your facility? You know, as I said, in my office, I, I personally uh, treat uh, sports and not sports related injuries um, uh, throughout the musculoskeletal system, but I focus mostly knee, shoulder, and I do a fair amount of hip as, as well. Um, to come for an evaluation, we do a comprehensive evaluation. We take a full medical history, three of the condition we're evaluating, full physical examination of that uh, particular uh, body part, uh, and we do radiograph x-rays uh, in the office. Um, and then, you know, in many patients, more advanced imaging is necessary, most commonly MRI, and we, we order that and uh, we uh, facilitate uh, getting that done. And we do what it was necessary to, to make a full diagnosis of what the condition is. Most of the musculoskeletal conditions that I'll see patients for uh, can be treated with non-invasive measures, physical therapy, uh, uh, activity modification, uh, changes in, in the way they participate in sports or, or perform other activities. Um, I do see many patients who benefit from per something minimally invasive, like a, an injection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we still we I see you know quite a few patients who uh, do require surgical correction, uh, whatever their uh, orthopedic problem is. Most of the surgery I do is arthroscopic, so it's uh, relatively minimally invasive. 
we do that with um, basically a, 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 the orthoscope is a, a tool we use to see inside joints uh, through just tiny little uh, tiny little portal holes. Um, we can see the inside of the joint. We can uh, trim tissue. We can repair tissue. Do quite a bit with that device to, to correct the pathology. And then, of course, in, in some patients, a, a true open surgery with an incision may be uh, necessary to correct the condition. So, um, you know, as an orthopedic surgeon, I, I really run the gamut of doing very minimal uh, in terms of uh, how aggressive I have to be with uh, treating a patient to, to really doing a, a full-on uh, complex surgery. Interesting thing from my perspective is that I never know the next patient who comes through the door, whether it's going to be something very simple that uh, just needs a little physical therapy or somebody who's going to need a major reconstruction. It keeps wow. it interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um, when would you say someone would need to seek medical treatment if they're experiencing some pain after a workout or doing something? Sure. Um, you know, most people kind of have an intuitive sense of it. I think, you know, after you, if you work out, you have some soreness, people kind of know uh, what's sort of, that's uh, kind of the normal soreness I feel from a new activity. But when something goes on, you know, when a, a symptom, a pain typically goes on for uh, a relatively prolonged period of time, it keeps up for a few weeks or a month, and probably time to just have someone take a look at it, and that would be the time to see an orthopedic surgeon. And the other thing is also when there's a traumatic injury, when, you know, the knee buckles and it mm. swells up and you can't put weight on it, you know, then it's kind of obvious at that point, you know, I need to see somebody about this. So, um, but I, I, most people are fairly intuitive about it, and it's relatively rare that I'll see a patient and say, I can't believe you didn't come and see me sooner. Once in a blue moon, that comes up. <laughs> that was all really great advice, Dr. Saperstein. Thank you so much for joining this show. How can our listeners get in touch with you, maybe set up an appointment to see you or your team? So um, my office is in Boca Raton, Florida, and the office phone number to make an appointment is 561-955-6784. Call and ask for an appointment, then we'll uh, accommodate getting you in for a full evaluation in an expeditious manner.